Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of We Talk Health. I'm Dr. Mike Revel, the Medical Director of the Emergency Department here at Jackson Madison County General Hospital. And with me today is Dr. Fielding Randolph, a hospitalist for uh, West Tennessee Healthcare. So welcome, Fielding. Thank you. So how long have you been a hospitalist? I've been a hospitalist here at uh, Jackson General for seven years. Seven years. That's a long time. So probably lots of folks out there wondering, well, what is a hospitalist? Well, a hospitalist, the first time it was mentioned was in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1996. Uh, our program here is uh, not quite that old. It's been, our, it's been 16 years in the making. Um, it is a program where you have a primary care physician in the community that takes care of your routine outpatient work. And then when you get sick and need to come to the hospital, somebody has to take care of you at the hospital. Um, it's becoming more of a recognized specialty over time. They're actually looking to make it a board certification at some time. But it's, you only take care of people in the hospital, and when you complete their care, you transition them back to their primary care physician. And that allows the primary care physician to spend more time in the clinic and spend more time with their patients. So it's just another uh, smaller specialization of, of medicine. Right. So the community needs to recognize that, that the doctor they see at home may not be the doctor or even their partners taking care of them uh, in the hospital. That's correct. And, you know, we're a tertiary care center, so we take care of patients from all over West Tennessee. So with that, a lot of these smaller towns, you wouldn't be seeing your regular doctor anyway. So we take the place of everybody's PCP, whether they're in Jackson or whether they're in um, Union City or, or Martin or anywhere. Right. And, and I know that uh, the benefit of having you guys is you're, there's somebody in the hospital at all times. In the old days, the, the, your primary care doctor would come in around in the morning and then maybe around in the evening and tests would get ordered uh, at those two different times. But you guys are here 24-7. We have 24-7 coverage. We have at least 10 people here during the day. That number's going up as the hospital grows more and more. We have uh, at least one and a half here every night. It's going to go up to two or three at night every night. But we do have somebody here 24-7 in case anything happens with any patient in the hospital so that we can be there to provide them care immediately and not have to wait till the next morning. Right, exactly. You can respond and actually go see the patient right then. You don't have to uh, drop what you're seeing in the clinic uh, to leave and come over uh, or whatnot. So it's... Uh, uh, West Tennessee Healthcare, in my mind, adopted early the hospitalist uh, idea and uh, started their program here. Like you said, sixteen has it been sixteen years it's, ago. It's been a full sixteen years when uh, Peter Benez and uh, I think Pam Murray were the first two. Uh, they're both still working with us. We don't have a high turnover rate here, so a lot of the faces that you see have been here quite some time. Excellent, excellent. The hospitalist is generally either family medicine board certified or internal medicine board certified, and it just depends. You know, we have about half and half at this point. So they go to medical school like every other doctor. They go to residency and they'll either be in family medicine or internal medicine. And that's where their training is. And then after they get out of residency, then they pick a job that leaves them in the hospital alone instead of working in a clinic or, or in a dual setting, which is becoming more rare where somebody actually works in the clinic or and in the hospital at the same time. Right. And, and you have uh, folks, uh, I know where you say you're here 24-7. It's not the same doctor that's here 24-7. You mentioned that there are lots of different doctors. And just because uh, if you come in at midnight, uh, the doctor that takes care of you from midnight to 7 a.m. is probably not going to be the doctor. Well, it's not going to be the doctor that takes care of you during the week. But hopefully uh, you'll have that same doctor uh, for your stay here unless it's a prolonged stay. And, and that is one of the, the issues that people don't like about hospitalists is they don't see the same person over and over again. But we obviously we can't be here 24-7, so we have somebody that admits them at night. And then when they get the next morning, they get assigned to another hospitalist. And that person, we try to keep them with the same person their entire hospitalization. Now, if you have a really long hospitalization, you may see two or three of them. 
But if you're only here the usual stay, which is somewhere about three days or so, generally you'll have one hospitalist, maybe two at the time, and then you'll go home back to your regular doctor. But we try to accommodate that as best we can because we know it is a, a concern of people in the community that they'll be passed around as, as, as a, an item instead of as a person or a patient. We want to make sure that they realize they are patients and we're taking care of them in a, on a personal level. Right. I know you and I are both on, on what they call the medical executive committee here uh, at the hospital, and we're always looking for ways to improve communication between uh, providers, uh, especially the hospitalist and their primary care provider. And I know there's some rules coming down the pipeline about uh, of getting those discharge summaries and, and mm-hmm. uh, basically what happened while you were here in the hospital to their providers. So Yeah, we, we've always done that. We have a, in our group we provide the primary care provider with a discharge summary we have a secretary who does it the next day every day so if the discharge summary isn't ready at that point we send them that history and physical which is the initial paperwork when you come to the hospital and the last day's progress note which is the last note uh, usually the discharge summary will be ready and they'll get the primary care physicians will get that immediately now medicare is changing that to where they're going to mandate that you have it done within 48 hours and that, that's going forward. But we, are, we already were trying to do that because we want these prim- your regular doctor to know what happened to you in the hospital so when you go back and see them, and most of the time it's, it's one to two weeks after you leave here, that, you, that they have the paperwork in front of them to know what happened, that you were here, and, and what they need to do going forward because a lot of times there's one or two tests that need to be followed up upon after you leave the hospital. So when you come to the hospital and you're in the ER, you know, the ER physician like Dr. Revel here makes a decision that somebody needs to be in the hospital so then they call a, a hospitalist and, and maybe a specialist too, depending on what your problem is. And then we come down and see you in the ER and uh, we write all your orders, introduce ourselves, write our, all your orders, help you get transitioned upstairs. Um, and then we, you know, we start taking care of the inpatient aspect of that, taking care of you while you're in the hospital. And so we work very closely with the ER to uh, get the process started. Yeah, and you guys are much like uh, like we are in the ER. You 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 have to know a whole lot about a whole lot of things, um, uh, and certainly uh, wind up admitting primarily uh, most patients that come to the hospital. So uh, even if if uh, Grandma falls and breaks her hip, even though her primary problem is a, a broken bone or an orthopedic issue, ninety percent of the time or more. Um, guys admit um well, same way with cardiac patients and other patients well grandma that broke her hip almost always has some other medical problem and is on very complex medications and so we we admit and take care of that the sur- the orthopedic surgeon of course will take care of the hip and then we we deal with all the medical issues that come along the way we carry a census of of 250 patients on day on average when i first started it was about 175 to 200 now it's the 250 our biggest day we've had 306 patients on service that was last winter and you know it's about to be winter time again so we'll probably have another 300 day census right and that's divided over 10 or 12 physicians so you're looking at at, at least 10 at the current moment we're pro- we're going to try to get up to 12 we're trying to get our our patient to physician ratio down to where we have less patient uh, per physician so that we can have more personal interaction with them right i know a question i get sometimes in the er is you know when will the doctor uh, be around to see uh, me or my family member and and that's hard to say uh, you guys start with the sickest patients first when you're around so you typically and correct me if i'm wrong but uh, go to the icu and then see some of the sicker patients uh, obviously patients that can be discharged uh, take priority i think because you you've got to make room for more patients uh, turnover uh, and then, and then to the to the other patients. So it's difficult to tell somebody um, 
you know, when they'll be seen because uh, not that they're any less important than the sickest patient, but at the same time, if, if I have 20 patients to see uh, and I spend 15, 20, 30 minutes with each patient, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me a while during the day to, to, to get to everyone. Yeah, but if you've seen, if you've got a, a list of patients you've been seeing for three or four days, it's amazing how quickly you can tell somebody what time you're going to be there because you know they're on the sixth floor and you start on the ninth floor and then by the time you, you say, okay, I'm usually on the sixth floor by 11 o'clock in the morning and you just somehow you can come up with that after three or four days of doing it. You can't tell them on Monday or Tuesday, but by Wednesday or Thursday, you usually can. Right, right. But coming from the ER, would be no, coming from the ER, you wouldn't because it, it could get divided up to any hospitalist in the morning, and everybody's a different creature of habit. So people do things slightly differently, and it, it may may fall under a different schedule. Right, but to reiterate again, the benefits of having a hospitalist uh, uh, as opposed to the way we used to do things are, you know, the hospitalist is here twenty four seven. So when that test results come back, and you either a need another test or b may not need any more testing and could potentially go home that day or the next day, that decision can be made right away and not delayed until 5 o'clock rounds uh, or the next morning rounds. Mm-hmm. That's, that's correct. I mean, we can respond to things more quickly and not have to, not have to wait any time period to do it. And also, if there's a patient that's, that's deteriorating for whatever reason, we can have a physician lay eyes on them within, you know, 5 or 10 minutes. You don't have to wait an hour for somebody to drive from clinic. They can be there immediately. Right, and, and communication, I think, among the specialists and the consultants uh, is better because you're both here in-house uh, seeing patients, and if you have an issue, you can talk to them face-to-face, uh, which I know happens a lot that the, the public doesn't always see uh, with us behind the scenes talking about patient care and, and what the best uh, decision needs to be made for certain patients. But also, if you have a specialist that's in clinic and the hospitalist can actually go lay eyes on the patient, then you can have a physician calling a, a, the specialist another physician and say, this is what I'm seeing, and it helps direct their care a little bit more. Even if the specialist can't get back to the hospital at that moment, you've got physicians here all the time that are laying eyes on patients when they need to be and, and are available. Feeling one of the things that uh, you know, patients sometimes wonder is, is uh, you know, which hospitalists do. We have a couple of groups of hospitalists here, um, and you guys kind of go through the community docs and select you know, which primary care physicians you're going to admit for, and um, uh, tell us a little bit how that works. We have, we have agreements with several different primary care um, groups here in the community and in some of the outlying counties. Um, over time, we just we established relationships with these counties, and we've we've come to agreements that when their patients come to the hospital, that we'll we'll admit their patients. Uh, there are other hospitals. I'm a Jackson General or Weston's Healthcare Employed Hospitalist. There's a another group. Jackson Clinic um, has a hospitalist group, and then there's um, uh, the UT Family Practice has a, a group that they admit for as well. And they have their own agreements with various things. Obviously, Jackson Clinic will have an agreement with themselves, and they may have one or two other clinics they admit for. Um, but if you're if you're in your primary care's office and, and they say, "Hey, I'm sending you to the hospital," then you, you can ask them. They know who they have the agreement with, and they can tell you what group to expect to admit you when you when they get to the hospital. Also, you know, we get phone calls from the primary care uh, physicians in the community all the time from their clinic saying, "Hey, I'm going to send this patient to the hospital." You know, can we get them direct admitted or, or do they need to go to the ER? And it just depends on what's going on with the patient. If they're really sick, we need to send them to the emergency room. If they are a little bit more stable, maybe we can send them directly to the floor. And we get we have a system for that, and we get phone calls all day about that. Right. Obviously, you know, our, our emergency departments, you know, not just here at Weston Sea Healthcare, but uh, throughout the country are, are crowded. And if you can direct admit someone, that's great. But as you said, that's uh, sometimes without laying eyes or having labs or studies back immediately, it's best for them to start in the ER and then, and then go upstairs when, uh, when you 
guys decide that needs to happen. And if, uh, if you see a primary care provider, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, whatever, that doesn't have an agreement with a hospitalist, you know, you may want to encourage them to do that. Because otherwise, you get put what we call in the unassigned pool, um, which means that somebody's going to take care of you, but it may not be the same group every time or it may not be the same um, a provider or, or whatnot. So uh, nothing wrong uh, necessarily with our unassigned call system, but um, you know it would be good for you to check with your primary care provider to make sure you have a, a hospitalist on their panel. And, and again, we do send them, when you leave, we send all the information to their uh, to the primary care's office so that we can so they have the, the record of the hospitalization. So they know you were here when you when you come in. <clears throat> and then the only difference, I guess, would be if they don't have a regular medical doctor, it becomes a little more difficult at discharge to try to find them someone. I know you guys work closely with case management and other things. Maybe if they have a an insurance that they just haven't set up a primary provider that, that helps them decide what panel they go to, et cetera, et cetera. That's correct. And there, there are somebody in West Tennessee, I mean, there's if you can't get in with – you don't have coverage or something there are health departments that can help you out there's all kind and we admit for a lot of the health departments in the community as well i mean there, there are people that can get you we can for which we can get you follow-up appointments if you need to to have a, a particular lab test drawn or maybe we're waiting on a result that won't be back for five or six days and there's no reason to stay in the hospital you can leave and then follow up with them to get the result instead of having to sit in the hospital for five days and then uh, lastly but certainly not least um just because you come to the ER and, and you, you're not feeling well doesn't mean you need to be put in the hospital. Um, that's probably a, a topic for a whole other uh, uh, We Talk Health is, is uh, who meets hospital criteria. But just wanted to briefly mention that. I know that's some confusion out there that, uh, um, you know, it's just not uh, just because you don't feel well or you feel weak or whatever is a reason to, to be admitted to the hospital and figure that out. And, and we are, ob- we, you know, with everything we do, we're obligated to Medicare and, and making sure that we follow guidelines and that we provide appropriate care and that we don't um, provide care that's unnecessary or, or don't keep you in the hospital too long. Right. Most insurances have, have adopted those Medicare guidelines and say that if you have this, this, or this, then you need to be admitted to the hospital for this reason and for this many days, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an elderly patient with pneumonia, there's typically so many days allowed uh, in the hospital barring any complications that you can be admitted for. And, and those are guidelines and averages. And so, I mean, there will be a couple of people that leave a day or two early and a couple of people that stay a day or two longer. But, I mean, you, we don't just look at the days and say, your days are up, get out of here. We keep you till you're well and you get to go home. And like I said, some people will be ahead of the curve, some people are behind. And it just depends on how well you're doing. But we, all, we do have, we do strive to keep our... Um, patients getting the right amount of care and not being in the hospital too long because that leads to a new set of complications. Exactly. Well, Fielding, thanks so much for coming in today and, and talking with us about uh, what a hospitalist is and what a hospitalist does. And uh, uh, appreciate your time. And thanks for tuning in to this episode of We Talk Health.